Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. I'm going to continue teaching today on favor. Everybody say favor. Favor is a very powerful principle, but favor is, is something that you cannot even begin to understand unless you begin to understand kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. King is, kingdom is pretty much two words mashed together. King's domain or king's dominion. In a kingdom... A king has a certain domain that he rules and reigns in. And in that kingdom, whatever the king says becomes law. In a democracy, it's very different. We vote people into positions and hopefully they're going to represent us and represent us well. And then they go and write laws. uh, And effectively, it is the representatives of the people that set the law. But in a kingdom, a king actually sets the law. And whatever comes out of his mouth becomes law. I don't know if you remember, but uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a king in the Old Testament. There was, uh, he had Daniel that served in his kingdom. And then he also had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And some people tried to trick uh, the king into uh, getting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego killed because they knew that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to any graven image or idol, but because the king had declared that everybody, when they hear music, has to bow to this certain statue or this certain idol, then that became law. Whatever a king says becomes law. So if you're born again, uh, matter of fact, if you're born again and you know it, just wave at me. If you're not, I'm going to give you the opportunity before the service is over to be born again. And I think it would be the most valuable decision you can make in your entire life. However, the reality of being born again is, is powerful because it gives you the opportunity to see the kingdom. Because until you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. That's how Jesus walked around teaching parables. Everybody say parable. Oh, God help me. Here we go. Everybody say parable. parable. So I'm an engineer, if you didn't know it, which means I'm a nerd. I like numbers. I like straight lines. I like dots. I like, I like uh, shapes. I like things to be in order. I like things to be on time. When I ask what time it is, I hate the word about. I want to know what time is it. Because for whatever reason, I wake up in the morning and I start planning, uh, I already have a plan for the day, but I have segmented how long it's going to take me to get certain places to do certain things. Everything is just rigid. And when that gets disrupted, I have to be on purpose and not lose my whole mind about it. I got to be real strategic about it because if it's, if it's, uh, for instance, this morning, uh, on a Sunday morning, I typically leave my house. If I'm going to go get a coffee, I leave my house at 745. If I'm not going to get a coffee, I leave my house at eight o'clock because I know it's going to take me somewhere between eight and 14 minutes to get to New Heights Church from my house. 
When I get to my house, I know it's going to take me between two to three minutes to get, when I get to the church, it's going to take me between two to three minutes to get out of my car, have my bag and get to, get to my office. And that's going to give me about somewhere between 40 and 43 minutes by the time, you know, I actually get sat down between four, well, about 40 and 50 minutes by the time I get sat down in my office where I can look over my notes and go over everything that I've written down throughout the week that I believe in God for. Or it's also enough time for God to say, that's not what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to say. And I have time to meditate on it. So the timetable in my life is, is very, is very, I don't know how important it is, but it's important to me. And I think things through that way. So when, when Jesus taught through parables, effectively a parable in the Bible is a little short story. Like for instance, uh, the parable of the sower. He talked about some threw their seed on this kind of ground, some threw their seed on this kind of ground, some threw their seed on this kind of ground, and some of it was stolen, and some of it was burned by the sun, and some of it hit good ground, and it grew, and, and everybody's just sitting there going, okay, great, and you and me are going, oh, that's beautiful, I get it, we need to sow our seed into good ground. Makes perfect sense. We need to make sure that the devil doesn't come and steal the seed that we do so. Makes perfect sense. But if you're not born again, it just sounds like a cool story. Because you have to be born again to see or to even remotely understand the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, he said, they have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but they can't hear. So he taught these little parables. And and interestingly enough, a parable is like a little mini sermon. And most of them you can read in less than five minutes. I know what you're thinking. Why do preachers preach so long if Jesus only took five minutes? No comment. But it was parables, which uh, from and of the word parable, it's it's grossly related to the word parabola. Everybody say parabola. A parabola is like an arch. So whenever you see a bridge, in almost every kind of bridge you'll see, there's going to be an arch of some kind. Even the Golden Gate Bridge, even though it's, it's a suspension style bridge with the, with the, the, the wire rope or whatever it is that, it, that it's hanging from, it has a, they, they're tied together. And if you look at it from afar, it looks like it's got a big smiley face or a parabola. The reason is, is because a parabola, when it comes to building over a span, a distance, a, a lake or a river or a void of some kind, a parabola is the strongest place, is the strongest shape you can actually have. Because if you build a something that is square on the end that has two 90 degree angles, I wish I had a pen, I'd just be drawing all this for you. But if, if anything with that, you can find a weak point. But in a parabola, it's like a part of a circle. It's like an arch. And anytime you push on any part of that arch, you're pushing on the whole thing. That's why he taught with parables, a.k.a. parabolas, because he knew if you could get just a picture of the kingdom, it doesn't matter what pushes against you. It's pushing on the whole kingdom. It's not going to take the whole bridge down. The bridge of the kingdom of God is what's getting you from being dead in sin across the void of death, hell, and the grave over the kingdom of God where you belong. Therefore, you're going to need something that can stand the test of time, that can stand the test of your bad decisions, and can stand the test of everybody coming against you. You're going to need some kind of a parabola in your life for you to walk across. That's why Jesus spent all of his time teaching beautiful parables in the kingdom of God. You can't, you can't understand favor unless you understand kingdom. 
Because kingdom changes everything. When you begin to recognize that you're a part of the king's domain, you start to walk a little different. Now, holiness, which literally means separate, holiness becomes a standard in your life because it is a culture of the kingdom. I'm going to give you just a couple of, a couple of our cultures in the kingdom of God, okay? In the kingdom of God, men don't run around on their wife. And if you do, you're wrong. And if we find out about it, we're going to let you know you're wrong. We're going to believe God with you for restoration and everything else. But we're not rewriting the Bible just because you think somebody smells good. Give me a holiness break. You know what I'm saying? Well, I just fell out of love. That's a lie from hell. You broke your commitment that you made before God is what you did. Can God restore? Absolutely. But that doesn't make it right. In our kingdom, listen, here's, here's another one. In our kingdom, wives don't go around talking to all their friends bad about their husband. That's our culture. We don't do that. In our kingdom, husbands love their wives and wives honor their husbands. That's how our kingdom functions. In our kingdom, honor is the standard. In our kingdom, we love first. In our kingdom, people are not racist. If you vote Republican or you vote Democrat in our kingdom, we don't hate you because of it. We don't stop having conversation just because we disagree. These are some cultures of our kingdom. They are byproducts of our kingdom. Because no matter where you go on planet earth, you will find cultures in every area and every kingdom. I was just in Las Vegas last week. There's some culture out there. We got back and, and Haley said, Dad, am I old enough to go to Las Vegas? I said, not even close. <laughs> not even close. Well, as a matter of fact, if, if we're flying to California, I'm going to ask them to make a loop around Las Vegas. Praise the Lord. God bless Las Vegas. But there's some culture out there that's excessively different than the Bible Belt. This is the Bible Belt. This, this is, this is, there's more churches here. There's more churches here than, than, I mean, you can throw a rock and hit three churches. Why do we have drug problems? Why are people still cheating on their spouses? You want me to give you the quick answer? Because they don't understand kingdom. Because when you get in the kingdom, you recognize we have a completely different culture. I'm in this world. You see my earth suit right now, but I'm not of this world. But you can't understand favor until you begin to understand kingdom. And the king's domain is something very powerful that you have access to be a part of. Because when favor gets on your life, it is for the purpose. And this is why it's so important to understand kingdom. When favor gets on your life, it is not just so you can have a new watch. And if you want a new watch, I think you ought to get it. But favor comes on your life to verify that the unseen kingdom 
is at work in the seen world. We need to see you succeed past your qualifications. The queen of Sheba came and visited Solomon, who was considered the wisest person on earth at that time, came and visited Solomon. And she said she was so impressed with how well all the people in Solomon's court were adorned. Listen to this. And how happy they were. Could you be accused of being too happy? And if not, why not? Did you forget about an old rugged cross? Did you forget about the fact that you don't have to go to hell? Did you forget about the fact that you and your whole household will be saved? Did you forget about the fact that he's the God that healeth thee? Did you forget about the fact that he's the God that opens wombs? Did you forget about the fact that he's the God that restores, that rebuilds, that brings into account all the things that have been done against you and brings it back to you in a good way, pressed down, shaken together, run it over? You, you, we got to get to the place where people are looking at us and saying, what is going on in your life? How come you are so blessed? so that you can answer the most important question that is ever that's ever presented to you you say well my king's name is Jesus and he has a kingdom and I'm a part of this kingdom and one of the attributes is favor is a part of this kingdom now you start to walk different you start to talk a little different he said they were so impressed by how well they were adorned let me just give you a stark contrast Joseph's brothers who would be representative of the church they criticized him for how he was adorned but the people in the world looked and were jealous at how well adorned Solomon's people were if you're worried about how somebody else is dressed and how somebody else drives their car and how big their house is, let me just tell you something. Even if you're not a Pharisee in full tilt, you are a Pharisee in that moment. This is the kingdom I'm talking about. You think he died just so you can go to heaven? Heaven wasn't even the plan in the beginning. The plan was for you to be here and rule and reign. That's why you have to understand kingdom to have under any idea why favor is so important in your life. Because favor is one of the ways that he verifies that his kingdom is actually at work through his people. And we got Christians that look at one another when somebody gets blessed and we're okay if they get blessed as long as we can't see it. As long as Joseph kept that coat hung up in his closet, nobody said boo about it. But the minute he put that coat of many colors on, we're going to snatch that thing off. We're going to sell him. I can't believe he's wearing that fine coat where I'm wearing this flea-bitten coat. And Joseph's going, the same daddy that gave me this coat is your daddy. I'll bet you if you ask him for a coat, he'd probably give you a coat. Said a word about my coat. They took the coat off of him. The Bible says they put the blood of the, the blood of the lamb on the coat. Let me just say this. They should have never messed with the blood of the lamb. All of a sudden they put Joseph in the ground. The problem with, with throwing a seed in the ground is all a seed does when it gets in the ground is start to grow. They sold him as a slave. He went into Potiphar's house and all of a sudden this lady was trying to, she made eyes at him and he said, no, 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 you don't understand woman. He said, people in my kingdom. Don't act that way. And she said, oh, but you're so handsome. Oh, my goodness gracious. I love that blue and black checkered shirt. And he said, you got to leave me alone, woman. My wife will kill you. No. 
He said, you got to leave me alone. Woman said, I'm not going to leave you alone. He tried to take off and she grabbed his coat. Why are people always messing with your coat? Because people hate when you pass the blessing level that they think you deserve. Oh, you'll take a wino out of the ditch and just, yeah, you know, I'm just so glad they, they went to new levels. And, but the minute that wino starts a business and starts to flourish and it all happens in 18 months, now all of a sudden you're going, I've been serving God for 18 years. They've been a Christian 18 months. They're just so blessed. I don't understand it. I'll tell you why. Because they didn't have all the religious garbage that you have to filter through. They just believe the Bible because Jesus set them free. So what happens when you, when you begin to understand favor is you understand favor is on your life so that the kingdom of God can manifest here. And when the kingdom of God begins to manifest here, you actually become the A word. Attractive. Oh, not like that. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all are like, I thought I was looking pretty sharp this morning anyway. Praise the Lord. I'm talking about attractive to the world. A light does not ask the moths to show up. A light shines and the moths are drawn to it. The minute favor hits your life, and not in an arrogant way, but you start to walk different. You stop engaging in conversations that have no value in the kingdom. You stop sitting there listening to somebody. And when, cause here's the thing. Most people don't want to tell you their problems because they want help. They just want to tell you their problems. Period. No, that's the end of the sentence. They just want to tell you their problems. And then the sun came up. Uh. Of course the sun came up. And then I'm sitting there. And, uh, I had to stop and get gas again. You're shocked that you had to refuel your automobile. And that's a problem. See, most people want to just sit and just... They, they, because they don't understand the kingdom they're in. And they just want to complain and murmur and complain about their parents. Well, my parents didn't do this and my parents didn't do that. Not realizing that you have a daddy in heaven that will fill every void, every gap, everything that was left over. Well, you don't understand. I went through this and I went through that. Well, what I hear when you say that is you actually went through it. I just, I just heard something we should thank God for. You went through the situation. But you can't understand favor unless you understand kingdom. Because the entire reason for favor on your life. Come on, Thanksgiving's coming up. The entire reason for favor on your life. Is so that when the Thanksgiving, when Thanksgiving happens and the family gets together, you're the light that the moths are drawn to. Like the Queen of Sheba, they go, man, I tell you what, I, I remember 
last year, two years ago at Thanksgiving, and you really look sharp. And I tell you what, you, you seem happier than you've ever been. What is it about you? And then you just go like this. <sighs> I'm a part of a kingdom. I'm a part of a whole new kingdom. The Bible also says, listen to this. You're a king and a priest. Don't you ever call yourself a sinner again. Well, I'm just a sinner, save my grace. It's not what the word says. It sounds cool. It sounds all whatever because uh, uh, self-deprecating humor is the standard of our generation where everybody makes fun of themselves. There may be a place for it, just a little laughter. But if that flows over into your life, it becomes your declaration. And it comes out of your mouth. Then you become what comes out of your mouth. Because you're a priest prophesying your future. And a king. kingdom doesn't function that way that's not our culture now you'll actually do something it's really powerful don't let it shock you you'll change you'll stop saying well that's how it's always been and you'll start declaring how it's going to be because you're a king and he is our king and you're a part of the kingdom the king's domain and what he says is law and what he said is you are the head and not the tail. Stop wagging. Stop being sat on. You're not the tail. You're the head. Walk like it. I dare you. I don't care if you're I don't care if you're you're the lowest ranking member on the custodial crew. I dare you to walk in there like you own the place. What are you going to do today? I'm going to make sure this floor is shining. Well, why are you doing so hard? Well, I don't work for you. Well, yes, you do. I sign your check. No, no, no. I do everything as under the Lord. He, he supplies my needs according to his riches and glory. Pretty soon, somebody comes down from corporate and they're walking through the hallway. They say, the place looks pretty good. Then they get in your hallway. They say, my God, I can see myself in this floor. Who cleans this floor? Oh, well, that's Custodian Brian. He cleans that floor. He said, well, I want to meet with Custodian Brian. Custodian Brian, why do you keep that floor so clean? He said, I keep this floor so clean because I do everything as under the Lord. And I act like I'm shining Jesus' floor. And I just like to do it that way. He said, if I made you the head of all the custodians, would you make sure that all the custodians act that way? I do my very best. He said, well, do you have a, a, a high school diploma? He said, I do not. Do you have a college degree? I do not. But what I do have, sir, is a sparkly clean floor. And none of the degreed people have a sparkly clean floor. So if you would bless me indeed, I would make sure that all your floors are super shiny. Okay, fine. You're the head of all custodians now. Well, let me just verify. That does come with a raise, correct, sir? It does come with a raise. Well, 
Glory to God. Let me get after these floors. Come on, give somebody, give God a big hand of praise. That's how favor works. Favor follows faithfulness. You get faithful in the little things. Come on, somebody. Before you know it, you'll just be walking around and somebody's going to tap you on the shoulder. Said, you've been, you've been riding that broom long enough. Why don't you come over here? Come up to the, to the, to the offices. I want you to help us make decisions. That's how favor gets on your life. But favor is not just so you can have a new car. Favor is so the kingdom can be verified right here. And when you recognize that, now it's not a selfish thing for favor to hit your life. It's actually for you to be shining bright in this region. Because the Bible says that a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And we're not supposed to take our light and hide it under a bushel. You're supposed to be standing out everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, you're supposed to stand out. Everything you touch is supposed to prosper. Everything you do, you're supposed to win. The Bible says, now thanks be unto God, which always causes me to triumph through Christ Jesus. I don't get out of bed to lose. Jesus didn't come to planet earth to lose. And he doesn't expect us to lose. But if you don't understand kingdom, you can't understand favor. Everybody say favor. Favor follows faithfulness. I'm going to give you four keys real quick. Number one, favor is a kingdom benefit. Psalms 103, verse 1 and 2. Throw it on the screen for me when you have it. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord. Let's read it together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Listen, when the common cold tries to get on your body, don't forget the benefit of healing. When a doctor says the C word, cancer, don't forget his benefits. Amen. When, the, when, the, when the doctor comes in and says, well, I just want to tell you I got bad news, don't forget his benefits. We're not mad at doctor's reports, but we believe the report of the Lord. Amen. There's benefits to this kingdom. Well, what if you die? Well, then I go to heaven. Amen. Don't forget his benefits. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and don't forget his benefits. One of the benefits of the kingdom of God is favor. I don't walk in any place thinking I'm going to be at the back of the line. But what happens if you go to the back of the line? I'm going to stay in the back of the line, believing God somebody's going to come get me, take me to the front of the line. Does it always happen? Not exactly like that. But does it happen? More than you would think. More than you would think. People start saying this stuff. I don't know why I'm doing this. But I just feel like helping you do this. I don't know why I'm doing this. But I just, I just feel like doing this. I don't know why. That's because there are benefits to the kingdom of God. And one of them is massive favor on your life. You got to think about it like this. If you have children, just raise one hand. If you love them, wave at me. Now, here's what I believe. I believe you love all children, but all children don't sleep at your house. 
That's because your children are your favorites. Favorite. Like an Amorite, it just means from that area. Your children are your favorite children. That's why they sleep in your house and suck up your air conditioning. <laughs> Can I say this? Can I say this? It, it's, it's not evidence that you don't love other children because all children do not sleep in your house. It is evidence that your children are favored that you're sleeping in your house. When you go to the mall, I'm not saying you might not bless somebody else, but you're probably not going to the mall and every kid that walks by buying them all their school clothes. That's because yours are favored. This is why he calls us sons. So we could get a picture. We're in the world. We're not of the world. We're like Ezekiel saw. We're a wheel within a wheel. It's not that he hates the rest of the world. That's not true at all. Because he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But the reality is, whenever we become children, now all of a sudden, we are favored heirs of God. It doesn't indicate that he hates the other kids. We just happen to be in the house. There's some benefits to where you're born. And there's some massive benefits where you're born again. When you become a child of God, favor is a statute. Favor, listen, I don't know about you, but and almost every parent will do this. You'll dress your kids nice and you'll dress yourself. You'll need a haircut and you'll take them to get a haircut. It'll be, it'll be school supply time and you need new shoes and you go buy them shoes instead. Why? Because they're favored. Why are they favored? Because they represent you. Don't get me started on the fact that you made them and they are in your likeness and your image. I don't have to wonder what I'm going to look like in 30 years. My dad's sitting right here. I feel like I'm looking at a time machine. I'm like, oh, in a good way, in a good way. Sometimes you can fall out of favor. <laughs> your kids are favored because they are your kids. He never called you an adult of God. Only children of God. When I ask my kids, what do they want for Christmas? They don't ask me, well, how are we going to pay for it? They just tell me what they want. And I go get it. Give me the list. What do you want? Can I have this? Of course you can have that. Why? You're favored. You live in my house. Am I going to bless other children? Yeah. But these are mine. And they're favored because of it. When you're favored, you're protected. With my children, if something were to come against my children, I have resources in the natural. And I have influences in the spirit. And I would point them all at whatever was trying to harm my child. 
That's why David was not scared when he fought Goliath. I can't lose. He's coming against the, the name of the Lord. I can't lose. I've got too much favor on my life. I like putting God's name on the line. Because if nothing else, he'll defend his name. It's all about his kingdom. It's all about his kingdom. And the favor of God is a benefit of the kingdom. I'll give you a couple more real quick. Favor is a birthright. You didn't do anything except be born again. And being born again places you in the family of God. And favor is a birthright for, family, for the family of God. There was a guy named Mephibosheth. And he died. He, his his uh, parents died. And Jonathan was his daddy. And Jonathan was, was David's best friend. And when Jonathan and Saul, Saul was the previous king before David. When, when Saul and Jonathan died, David became king officially. God had anointed him years earlier, but he officially became king. And Mephibosheth, the nursemaid that took care of him, was running from the battle whenever Saul and his daddy Jonathan were killed because the way it would go in those days when a new king came in, he would kill all the children of the previous king to try to eliminate a future uprising. So the nursemaid grabbed Mephibosheth and took off running towards a place called Lodibar which means barren, desolate. And while she was running, she dropped him. And when she dropped him, hurt his legs real bad. And he became lame and he couldn't walk. And the Bible says that years later, David was sitting on his throne. And he said, oh, how I wish there was somebody I could bless out of the house of Saul for Jonathan's sake. Can I say it differently? I wish there was somebody I could bless out of Saul's house because of his son. When God looks at you, he's saying, I wish there was somebody I could bless because of my son. He said, he said let's go get him. And, and the Bible says that a, that a servant that used to work for Saul came up. It says there's one that's still alive, but he's lame in his feet. And David ignored the fact that he was crippled. He said, well, go get him. The Bible says he went to Lodibar and got him. And, and, and Mephibosheth comes into the throne room. And instead of coming boldly into the throne room and making his request known, he didn't know that he had favor on his life. So he fell on his face. And when he fell on his face, he said, you got to leave me alone. I'm just a dog. He said, why? Why are you messing with me? He said, he said I, I'm just a dog. And he said, effectively, David said, you are no dog. You will eat at my table for the rest of your life. The people who served your daddy and your grandpa are going to serve you now. And all the land that your daddy had, I'm restoring it to you immediately. 
He said, all the land is restored to you. And the Bible says that when that land was restored to him, in one day, in one instant of favor, three generation worth of blessings hit him. Why, why, why was Mephibosheth favored? Was it because he was good looking? Was it was because he was smart? David said, no, I wish there was somebody out of the house of Saul that I could bless because of Jonathan. Because favor is a birthright. When you're born into this, when you're born again into this, favor is yours. Whether you walk in it or not is up to you because you can kill it with unbelief. You can act like everything just happens to everybody and life's just a bunch of chance. Life is not just a bunch of chance. Favor is a birthright for every believer and it is a benefit of the kingdom of God. And when you and I walk in that level of favor, that kind of favor, you can have a three generation blessing day. I don't know if I believe that. I was standing up here. It was last year, maybe, maybe 18 months ago. And the Lord said to me, somebody is about to get an inheritance that they just, they don't have any surviving relative. They don't have any relatives they know of, anything else. And it was about two weeks later, a lady came up to me and said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? She said, I had a family member somewhere on the East Coast die. And there's been $50,000 held up in like a probate condition because they couldn't find any surviving relatives. Well, it turns out, I didn't know these people, but I'm a surviving relative, and they wired that money to me. Don't get jealous. Get inspired. If God can do it for them, God can do it for you. They said, well, I don't want a $50,000 surprise blessing. Well, you ain't got to worry about it. It ain't going to hit you. But for those of us that are believing God, that the favor of Almighty God, a benefit of this kingdom, is going to hit our life and hit us with a three-generation. Oh, I receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to wear my coat, and I don't care who doesn't like it. Because it's all about his kingdom. It's all about him and for him anyway. You're just a benefactor of it. You benefit from the kingdom. There are benefits to serving God. If there was no heaven, nobody would serve him. Well, I would. No, you wouldn't. There are benefits to serving God. But if you think heaven is the only one, the Bible is filled with benefits. Filled with benefits. Two more. I'm going to give them real quick. Number three. Favor follows generosity. Why? Because generosity is the culture of our kingdom. We're not greedy, arrogant jerks. We live generous. We live open-handed. We live to give. Come on, somebody. We live to sow. We live to be a blessing. 
We're about to build a new building right off the end of this sucker. And I guarantee you there's going to be people coming into this place that wouldn't fit right now. But they're going to fit when we build that new building. And we don't even know who they are. We're building it for people we don't even know. Why? Because we're generous. We want to make room. Number four. Everybody said number four. It's the last one. Favor has no regard. You should write this down. Favor has no regard to your critics. The day you get free from the prison of other people's criticism is the day life begins to look like a kaleidoscope. Of opportunity, of joy, of peace. Well, what if they think this? To be honest with you, it might cross my mind sometimes, but it barely even crosses my mind now. Because I just don't care what somebody thinks. If they're going to be critical, they're going to be critical anyway. Winners talk about winning. And losers talk about winners. So there's two sides to this. The first side is the simple one that we can all get energetic about. Be like, I'm not going to worry about what anybody thinks about me anymore. I'm going to wear my coat and I'm walking in favor. It's benefit. I'm going to live generous. I'm going I'm to serve God with all my heart and favor of God's on my life. It's a birthright. That's one side of it. But the other side of it is a challenge. I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to look at somebody else's blessing and let all the questions start popping up unfettered. Well, I wonder what they did to get that. I can't believe they're doing that. Would you believe they drive that car? Would you believe they got that house? Would you believe, didn't they just this, didn't they? And, and, And what happens is you start to get critical and you find out it's not hurting their harvest, but it's killing yours. Because the favor on their life should encourage you not make you critical but when God decides to bless you when God decides to open the windows of heaven over your life no critic can stop it And most people are critical because of a hurting heart. Or because of culture of their family or their friends that has bled over into them over the years. But I'm here to present to you a new culture. The culture of the kingdom. And the culture of the kingdom doesn't get critical. We don't get arrogant and we don't get critical. Because favor is a birthright. And if they're born again, it's their birthright too. Favor 
does not regard, nor is it limited when people are critical of you. So stop caring what your family thinks about you if it's negative. Stop even thinking about what the people at work think about you. Who, I don't know if you can say this in church, who flipping cares? Just walk it out. Funk soul brother. Just walk it out. Just walk out the favor of God on your life. Just walk it out. Just I, I just, just I receive your favor and I'm going to walk in it. I'm not going to be critical of anybody around me. Matter of fact, I'm going to celebrate when somebody when something good happens to them. I'm going to celebrate like it happened for me. And don't let criticism steal the joy in your life. Because you'll you'll find yourself critical. Listen, you if you give in to critical thinking, you will be critical about everything. I just don't know. I feel like Chick-fil-A overcooked the fries this time. Well, first off, Chick-fil-A will fix it. But number two, like they got a vendetta about you. There's a hundred people in line. They don't even know who you are. Gave your food in 32 seconds. One fry was brown and you're critical. This road construction takes forever. Just stop being critical. Just be free of it. God can bless you right in your circumstance. He can pour it out in front of everybody. Today's the day when favor is going to be the standard in my life. It's a benefit. It's a birthright. I'm a generous person. And none of my critics can stop it anyway. Think of how critical they were about Jesus. Didn't keep him off the cross. Didn't hold him in the grave. You don't have to live critical. And criticism snuffs out the harvest of favor on your life. And you'll find, I mean, this, I know I'm hung up on this, but this is the kind of stuff, because the Lord has really been, been teaching me lately and encouraging me to give you something you can use tomorrow. Because I'm a Bible man. Like I, I love, I, I, I probably spend two to three hours a day just meditating, reading, chopping up the word. Just love it. Love it. I, I like knowing everything down to the red heifer, okay? I like all of it. But I feel the Lord in this season encouraging me to give you something you can use tomorrow. Well, here's the big one you can use tomorrow and the rest of your life. But tomorrow, you can, you can change today on this factor. Just don't be critical. Just don't. Just stop it. And, and if, you, if, if you're a spouse and you're both here and you both say, man, we want to do that, check each other on it. In love. Don't be a jerk. And if you're going to be a jerk, don't use my name. You heard what pastor said, you arrogant old toad. Stop being critical. It's not what I said. Sometimes me and my wife have code words. Because we're working all the time on ourselves and each other. Because I ask her, baby, you see any areas in my life where, you know, I could, I could change? 
And she's like, none, sugar, bust. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> she might not have ever said that, but it'd be funny if she did. But sometimes, you know, for the sake of not embarrassing each other, it's hard to describe something later. So we'll have a code word. So in a moment, she can say something and I'll go, oh, maybe that was a time where I could have worded something a little bit different. So we'll have a, we'll have a code word where if I, if I say something, she can just say the code word, you know, like, uh, hey, babe, you want some Taco Bell? And that could be our code for, hey. You could have worded that a little bit different. So that way she's not coming out looking like a jerk to me. She's not embarrassing me. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk. She knows I'm not trying to be a jerk. She's just trying to let me know in the moment so I can have an opportunity to change. And then I'll look at her. She says, baby, you want some Taco Bell? And I'll tell her the same thing. I don't want no doggone Taco Bell. Leave me alone, woman. But in honesty, if you're married, you can work together on this. And once you start to change, you can then make that the culture of your house. But if you go home and you start beating your kids over the head with this today and you haven't changed yet, it's not going to work. But if you change and you and your spouse, and if you have a spouse, if you don't, you change. But you start working on it together. And when your kids get older, you can work together on it. Older being 10, 11, 12 years old is not too young. Seven, eight years old is not too young. Because you raise them in the way they should go, not in the way that they are. And you say, hey, let's work together on this. Let's, 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 let's just commit together to get criti critical, critical talk like that out of our life completely. And then your house becomes this, this, this just beautiful aroma that every, everybody wants to come to. And you want to you wanna rush to. And before you know it, you're actually enjoying dinner together. Wouldn't that be weird? Sitting at a restaurant, not feeling like you're about to lose your mind. Because you don't care if they brought you unsweet tea when you asked for sweet tea. You just ask them again. Because you have erased the critical filter of they're just trying to make me fat, give me sweet tea or whatever. <laughs> don't they know I'm on keto? You ain't on keto. We saw you eating those fries. Anyway, let's give God a hand of praise this morning. I'm done teaching. Stand to your feet. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.